Welcome to Unnamed in Lights, the stories of successful Australians working in the arts, behind the scenes and on the world stage. This week's guest is known as Australia's madman of comedy and juggling, James Buster. The Australian entertainer founded the Save the Arts campaign to help give performers a platform to speak out about a lack of support for their industry. He also co-wrote a letter to the federal government about how much the creative sector is hurting during the coronavirus pandemic. In this chat recorded online, James opens up about mental health, activism, and an offer to work abroad on a cruise ship. Hi, James. Welcome to the show and thanks for your time. You're speaking to us from Hotel Quarantine. What exactly are you doing there and why are you in Hotel Quarantine? Uh, basically, I was given an amazing opportunity to join a cruise ship, so something I haven't done for 18 months, obviously, because of the whole pandemic. And uh, normally when I used to do cruise ships, I used to just go and join a cruise ship for three days and do a show on it. Uh, now, obviously, the world's changed, so I'm going away for six months, hence being in Hotel Quarantine in Singapore. Wow. And have you always been a travelling performer or did you ever sort of have a regular steady nine-to-five job? I, I've never had a regular steady uh, nine-to-five job. Uh, I've always done circus my whole life pretty much. So I started uh, when I was 11 years old. I ran away and joined the Flying Fruit Fly Circus in Albury, Wodonga. And since then, uh, all I've done is travel around the world doing circus and then um, most recently for the last kind of 18 odd years now uh, being a comedy juggler at events festivals cruise ships etc cetera, etc cetera. and so getting to this point of being able to work overseas and having that opportunity I mean what, what did it take to sort of reach that point oh it was it was a uh, people, it was quite funny. People were like, are you excited about being offered a cruise? And the answer was no, not initially, um, because it was more stressful than anything because there's so many hoops to kind of jump through in terms of getting exemptions. And then the situation in Sydney was changing and it was like, you're going in hotel quarantine. No, you're not going to do home quarantine. No, you're going to do the And it was so, uh, so crazy playing with my mental kind of health at that point in time when everything else was kind of crazy as well. But then once we, once I got on the aeroplane and I took off that weight lift off my shoulders and I'm like, okay, cool. Like I've made it. I'm here. I'm going, I'm going. And now, now it is exciting and I can't wait to get onto the cruise ship tomorrow. But yeah, the whole planning period going up to it, just the amount of tests and things like that, that we have to do to get to that position was absolutely mental. Yes, sounds like it. And have you had much work in Australia over the past few months? And was it hard to get that permission to leave the country? In terms of work in Australia, I, I had to, after doing performing arts and stuff for my whole career, um, I had to, once JobKeeper ended, I had to kind of step out and do uh, a regular job. So I started working in a trampoline park as a manager. Uh, and I really started to, really started to enjoy it. And it was, it was yeah, it was strange and it was sad when I kind of left that because I got so used to, I think that my life is going to be here for the next two years. I don't think I'm going to travel. And then when uh, the cruise ship opportunity came up, then it was like, it's my dream job. It's getting my, getting my career back, getting my identity back. But then at the same time, it was like, I've just got used to like regular life. Um, so it was a bit of a 
a strange thing going on in my in my head. But in terms of getting the exemption, um, it wasn't that tricky. But that I didn't do it; my manager did it. Um, so he looked after all that because I'm I'm circus trained. I'm not very uh, academic in terms of knowing what to do and filling out forms the the right way. Right, and I can see the link between trampoline park and circus performings. Do you think that craft's still well and truly alive in the entertainment industry, or is it kind of phasing out a bit? Would you would you say? I think that the entertainment industry for the last eighteen months has pretty much disappeared completely. Um, I think that it's been a very hard journey for many different industries, entertainment and the arts being one that's been devastated really and there'll be a big gap in terms of the evolution of entertainment now really like I'm sure that it will come back in some kind of semi-normal uh once once all the vaccinations have happened etc etc but I think that it's going to be an interesting ride because we've lost two years of growth for performers and I think that people who are leaving the circus universities or the leaving uh, acting college in Sydney like there's no work for them to go into so they might just decide to well that's it because it, 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 it's it, entertainment and the arts in general is a hard industry to get into in the first place and then let alone having COVID thrown into the mix uh, that's just made it absolutely uh, un, unpredictable really. Yes I think you're right that that relationship between the audience and the performer sounds like it will be transformed by the time we get out of all this and I, I guess for you is it that an advantage being a traveling act or the fact you can sort of transport yourself with your gear anywhere you want I think it's an advantage but I think it's also the thing that has been not understood about the industry in terms of the fact that uh I yeah it's something that hasn't been understood about the industry because like as an entertainer that is the best part of our job is the fact that our, our work doesn't just consist around the suburbs where we live like it's I go to Japan I go to China I go here I go there and so again when the pandemic hit it made it our, our industry is national and international and we're not just doing stuff in the theater down the road so it kind of it, it was a big effect but in a way yes it is a, it's a positive thing that we can just kind of I can carry my road case and I can go and do a show here or do a show there when when yeah pre-pandemic times you've made a number of appearances on television over the years do you find um when you get sort of feedback after those appearances does that give you a chance to refresh your material and and update your act usually yeah i think that i mean the biggest thing in terms of especially in terms of the cruise market uh is that we have a lot of repeat passengers so we always have to adapt and we always have to change not only for them, but for our own sanity as well, because it's the same as if you had a nine to five job and you were doing exactly the same movements and steps every day. Uh, it gets a bit repetitive. Um, so we have to kind of invent and reinvent and change things around. But at the same time, being a, being a juggler, like the majority of the skill involved in what we do as circus performers is something that we spent 20 years learning. Uh, so it's not as simple as we can just go, oh, I want to do this today. Uh, it's another kind of learning curve of a, a few months for some things or years for other things. So 
the, the main thing that I do in terms of my show is it, it will adapt in terms of writing a new comedy routine rather than necessarily a new skill per se. Right, and, and sort of honing that skill over 20 years or so, you say, did you have any mentors that, that helped shape your direction of your style? Oh, for sure. So when I was a kid, like I always, uh, in England, I was always watching Paul Daniels, who was a famous magician who was on TV all the time in the UK. And then when I moved to Australia, I was into magic, but it ended up that I didn't want to do magic. I wanted to know how it was done. And so now I've like, <laughs> my childhood has kind of ruined my adulthood um, in terms of magic, because now I know how everything is done. Uh, so, but in terms of performing like I always wanted to be a performer and my mentors and stuff really jumped into my life when I went to the Flying Fruit Fly Circus and uh, there was a gentleman there called Per Westman who had traveled the world and he's one of Australia's best clowns and he taught me the kind of the physical comedy and before that I'd never thought about the comedy side of performance I had just thought about the juggling and then once you realize that it needs to be a performance it can't just be showing off a skill and you need to kind of have some kind of a, a storyline behind it and, and have a, a reason for what you're doing and to make it entertaining, uh, then Per was a big help for that. And then when I got onto cruise ships, it was a gentleman called Pete Matthews who was like, right, this is how you construct a show and this is how we kind of make it entertaining. Because to be honest, even in my opinion, like just watching someone juggle is quite boring. Um, but as soon as you add the comedy and the character and the performance to it, then suddenly it's really interesting. I'm glad you mentioned magic because I was going to ask about whether there's an element of mystique in your act or is it really just all about pure fun and, and joy for the audience? My show, I think, is always best summed up and it was a, a cruise director called Zoltina J who works for P&O Cruises Australia and she, I used to call myself like James Buster, just comedy juggler and then she came up with the title of Australia's Madman of Comedy and Juggling which is pretty much an exact... <laughs> It's perfect because that is exactly what I am. I'm a million miles an hour and I'm absolutely mental. It's like drinking five energy drinks before going on stage and you, that's all you see on stage is just adrenaline running around. Well, tell us about the Save the Arts campaign that you, you've started and why that's important. The whole time through the pandemic, obviously when we all lost our, our jobs and our identity and stuff 18 months ago, it was really hard and it was a really hard hitting situation for all of us, especially in terms of mental health. And when you've got a full calendar of work and then the next day I had nothing and no way of getting anything. And at that point in time, no government support, we're kind of like, well, you lose your sense of worth really, uh, because we're used to getting that adrenaline from being in front of an audience on stage. Yeah, I just don't know like, you know, what's my purpose? like. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's been pretty hard trying to work through all of that. Within a day that everything was kind of gone and then after that day you knew that every day it was going to be a negative phone call um, about something else being cancelled and something else and something else so going from having my busiest year of cruise ships booked um, and then to nothing.
I, I went into like depression um, and it was horrible. Uh, but then my parents have always been a big push of like, don't let yourself go down that path. Like just find something which you're passionate about. And so I decided, I was like, well, I'll just do this thing. So I decided that I get an apple and because they go an apple a day keeps the doctor away or whatever. And I was like, I'll get an apple and I'll throw it around the world and I'll see how many people will catch onto it. I thought like 10 people of my friends would be like, oh, we'll do it. Ends up overnight, it became a roaring success. And then we had 180 people from 12 countries. Uh, and it took me, it became a full-time job for me. It took me like three weeks to edit the video, to chase people up for footage, to get more people to do this, to make it all work. And it was great because I woke up every day at like seven o'clock in the morning with a purpose, with a drive, with everything like that. And then that's the moment that I realized where doing all this arts awareness stuff was actually helping me. And it was also helping other people who hadn't picked up their props for a certain period of time because their career disappeared. And then I'm putting together this project and they're suddenly putting on their costume, they're picking up their props and it's bringing back that passion. And so then after that, I just kept doing more and more and more and just kind of really... Uh, then the next after the apple a day it worked there was another one called like strip bear and it was like we were strip bear of gigs and we literally had nothing on and it was a play on looking at the situation we were in in a comedy way but also having a really deep and meaningful powerful message uh, and then after that when the most recent lockdown happened in sydney like two months ago i I think as entertainers, we just got to this stage where it was like we just thought everything was going back to a semi-normal and bookings were coming in for the school holidays. And then we just got to this point where we just went, enough is enough. Like we need to really get a powerful message out there. And so I interviewed 30 performers, uh, friends and uh, acquaintances and people I didn't even know and made this video because it was about showing as soon as you put a, a face to an emotion, it's so much more powerful. And it was about showing Everyone's so used to seeing the entertainers on TV or the entertainers on stage, but they don't actually see the real person and the real effects of what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, so that was the purpose of the video. And then it kind of semi, semi went viral, which was unexpected. And that is purely where kind of Save the Arts started. I never planned it to be, I've got no experience in campaigning or anything like that, but someone needed to do it. And I was like, well, once that video started going boom um, and people were suddenly learning about how our industry works, the fact that it's a gig to gig mentality, the, the fact that we don't get paid if we don't do gigs, the fact that like we can't travel, we can't cross borders. And then you've got things going on where Sydney's in lockdown, but then you've got entertainers in Brisbane who've lost all their work because they were supposed to be in Sydney, but they can't get any government support. And it was just this whole thing where we just felt as the arts that we've been forgotten and left behind. So, yeah, that's where Save the Arts started. Originally, it was just kind of a website for people to see this video. Um, and then after that, it just it's just kind of kept going and booming. And now I get phone calls from MPs and things, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, hi. <laughs> wow, and, and so what, what else has been the response or the feedback you got from the audience? I think the, the feedback has purely just been the fact that people didn't realise how hard hit we were or uh, some people did, but the majority of people didn't realize how hard hit we were as an industry. And it made the video itself made so many people cry because they, they didn't realize. And like I said, as soon as you see that emotion in pure raw form, it's, it really hit hard to home or hit close to home for, for many people. But the feedback was that, I mean, people were commenting being like, we didn't understand how your industry worked, but like now that we do, 
more per se, the government really needs to step up. And that was the kind of general consensus. There's been no one who's like, oh, why are you guys whinging? Because we're not whinging. Like we've lost everything um, and we just want some kind of pathway to have it back or have the support. Yeah, there is that level of understanding. And ironically, do you think the audience now more than ever needs that escapism, but they, they can't get it so much with this uncertainty? Oh, of course. I think that entertainment is what we all live off every day, even as entertainers. I watch Netflix, I listen to the radio, I'm on Google. Like Everything that we kind of touch is entertainment or is the arts. Um, so I think that without the arts, it would be very difficult for um, everyone to have got through all these lockdowns and not leaving your front door and everything like that. So I think it it is very, very important. Um, and it's just about getting that acknowledgement. I mean, I think one of the funny, not funny, one of the like cherries on top in terms of the journey that we've been going through as entertainers. And so what, what is the state of the industry in Australia at the moment, do you think, going forward? Like, is it, is it possible to pivot and find work somehow? I think within the current situation in Sydney and Melbourne and things like that, with the lockdowns, which we don't know how long they're going to go for, like even when I did, before I got on the cruise ship, before I'm getting on the cruise ship, it's like when I did pivot uh, and work at the trampoline park, I was like, it's great. I've got a job and I know that I'm making X amount per week and it's brilliant. And then what happened was the lockdown and then that job's gone as well. And so in terms of pivoting, it's like there's nowhere for us to pivot. And that's the really hard thing is that there are no jobs for anyone to really go into without training at the moment because everything's pretty much closed the doors but in terms of entertainment or arts kind of coming back it's gonna we've, we've lost many many good performers who have had to because of having families or whatever we've lost many good performers who have now had to move on and start a pizza shop or uh, just do something else or go back to university and try and get a qualification to then get a job to kind of see out retirement um it's it's been the answer to the question is that we we don't know we hope that it will come back to normal but in terms of the, the industries that we all kind of relied on like and for me it was cruise ships specifically and i'm in a lucky position where i can being a single guy like i can go away for six months because i've got no ties at home but most of the people who were working on cruise ships and that was a full-time kind of gig to gig thing every year uh, when their family is at home, they can't go away for six months. Um, so that opportunity has kind of been lost on so many performers. And so where does this cruise ship go exactly? What do you do sort of after it finishes? Uh, this cruise ship uh, goes, we do three-day cruises and four-day cruises, and it goes from Singapore, and then it comes back to Singapore. We go out, we just <laughs> sail around a bit, and then we come back into port because uh, especially with Royal Caribbean, which is a cruise line that I'm going on to, their ships have always, um, or their cruise line, their kind of mission statement has always been that like the cruise ship is the destination because um, their cruise ships are huge. Uh, so they've got like indoor skydiving, they've got wave riders, they've got go uh, dodgem cars, they've got all these activities for you to do on the ship. So you don't actually need to leave the ship. Um, so in terms of uh, in terms of what I'm doing here, that's what we're doing in Singapore. And I'm going to do it for about six months, I think. And then hopefully I'll be able to get back into Australia. So uh, we'll, we'll see. 
that, that will be the challenge, yes. And are, are there other performers on board or is it, is it just yourself doing this one? No, there's a whole bunch of performers. There's a, a magician, uh, like illusionist coming on. There's a xylophone player on there at the moment. And there's like an acrobatic duo. Um, there's also the production shows. So like the dancers and the singers and stuff um, have their shows as well. So there's a whole bunch of entertainment out there. And, and it's nice to see that Australian performers are able to kind of come out here to Singapore and to, or any performers really, but to come out and kind of work. Because I mean, the fact that I've had to leave my own country to be able to do what I love because we don't have the opportunity um, or we're not really allowed to do it at the moment in Australia. So I'm very privileged to have the opportunity um, and I hope that the opportunity comes up to many more performers. Sure. And this trampoline park, just going back to that, whereabouts is that? So I worked at Flip Out uh, Trampoline Park in Caringbar, uh, which is in the Shire uh, in Sydney. Were you doing... Um general customer service or you're actually performing doing tricks and showing up showing that so basically the whole way that the trampoline park because like i said like when you're trying to find a job as a as an entertainer like we don't have a resume and so i, I got my dad to write a resume which was basically i please hire me i'm normally an entertainer but my my skills transfer over in terms of communication and the customer service and stuff like that and kind of went through about all my experience and when I saw this post on Facebook for the trampoline park looking for an advanced trampoline coach I was like well, boom like there's something that I can do uh, and it had been a quite a few years but within circus it, it's, it's a very thing where we learn everything when we're at circus school and we can still teach if we not necessarily can't do it anymore but we can still teach it because it's all visual and uh, so I started working there for nine hours a week as an advanced trampoline coach and then out of the blue I got more and more hours more and more hours and then out of the blue I got a phone call from the owner and she was like would you like to become manager and I'm like I've never had a job before like a regular job and now now I'm a manager and it was I cried I was so happy because and again like I never would have thought I'd be happy being in like a regular job but I really started to enjoy it so so yeah that's how that's how someone who's always been an entertainer um, stepped into a, a regular per se job. I mean, it's not as regular as some other nine to fives, but. Cool. Well, that's a good story. Without being positive, like it's not negative. I think I'm all good. I'm Stephanie Corsetti. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. The next episode will drop in October.